Last week, Emily Reese and I went to go check out the new First Avenue exhibit at the Minnesota History Center. It's celebrating the 50th anniversary of the venue, and it's truly a must-see for anyone who has a fond memory of seeing a show there or an affinity for local music. We met up with the exhibit developer, Aaron Cole, for a walkthrough. KBEM? Yep, yes. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm Aaron, Emily. Nice to, nice to meet you. Nice to meet Sorry, you. Sorry, I just got a text that you needed, needed no. to talk to me. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, thank so. you when you walk into the exhibit, the first thing that you notice is the iconic stars on the outside of the recreated main entrance of the building and a large collage of concert flyers and calendars from over the years, and also black and white photos from the time before concerts took place in the building, and there were still windows on the outside. It was a Greyhound bus station. First Avenue is obviously still an active venue today. You can catch a show there in the main room or 7th Street entry almost any night of the week. But Aaron says the aim of the exhibit is to share experiences and things about First Avenue that you can't get while going to a show there. So we wanted to do something that you can't get when you go over there. So we are giving people kind of a behind-the-scenes tour. Yeah. We're giving people a kind of sense of history over time. And then we're talking about a lot of people's stories, whether they're staff or fans or performers, and just kind of letting people know this is what First Avenue means to them. Mm -hmm. So, And then like hopefully that will get people talking about their own memories. And we have a place at the end where people... People can leave their First Avenue stories. And that history starts with Uncle Sam's, the disco club that predates the First Avenue moniker. Basically, if the walls are colored, it's not First Avenue yet. <laughs> it's either the depot. And one of the first things that you see when you enter the Uncle Sam's part of the exhibit is this big, bright, motion-activated disco floor. Oh, this floor is amazing. Oh, my God. I'm taking a Wow. The Uncle Sam's years are roughly 1972 to 1979. Okay. Yeah. And again, like there, it was a corporate corporate chain. It was owned by this company called American Events, based out of Cincinnati. And then they pulled out of the, the Twin Cities market in the late 70s, okay. and the club, you know, basically came under local control again. And as kind of a way to mark that, they changed the name to Sam's for okay. about two years, from roughly 79 to 81. Okay. And the sand shoes were kind of experimental. Like, I mean, you know, we're in this exhibit where we're not saying like, oh, man, you had to be there for this. Right. Yeah. But the sand shoes are kind of where what we know as First Avenue kind of starts to, starts to emerge. Okay. Right. Disco is kind of dying, but there's it's still bringing in money and it's bringing in people. So they're like trying a lot of gimmicks, like having having a swimming pool on the dance floor. <laughs> so I have a picture of it on the other side of there. <laughs> Male strippers. Things like that, but at the same time, they're bringing in live music again, and they're bringing in Prince and yeah. Ramones and, and U2, and yeah. wow! So they're actually starting to book that, and then they and then they open the entry in uh, 1980, okay. and you know just to kind of capitalize on the growing punk scene. So you so you have like disco dancing still, but you also have kind of like people hanging out the entry who are just like like I don't want to go up to the main yeah. room because it's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> And the sand shoes were kind of experimental. Like, I mean, you know, we're in this exhibit where we're not saying like, oh, man, you had to be there for this. Yeah. Right. But the sand shoes are kind of where what we know as First Avenue kind of starts to, starts to emerge. Okay. Right. Disco is kind of dying, but there's it's still bringing in money and it's bringing in people. So they're like trying a lot of gimmicks, like having having a swimming pool on the dance floor. <laughs> so I have a picture of it on the other side of there. <laughs> Male strippers things like that. But at the same time, they're bringing in live music again. And they're bringing in Prince and yeah. Ramones, yeah. Ramones. And, 
you and you too. And, and wow. So they're actually starting to book that, and then they and then they open the entry in uh, 1980, okay. and you know just to kind of capitalize on the growing punk scene. So you so you have like disco dancing still, but you also have kind of like people hanging out the entry who are just like like I don't want to go up to the main yeah. room because it's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> So, and a big, the, a big part of this was, was the DJs at First Avenue. So, there's actually a lot of, even at First Avenue, even up until like the two, almost the 2000s, dance nights take up a huge part of the schedule. So, they bring in a lot of money. Um, and actually, the DJs at First Avenue, especially like in the late 70s and early 80s, are actually kind of playing things that people aren't, other people aren't playing in the cities. They're kind of basically creating the audiences for the live shows that they're bringing in. They're playing yeah. new wave, they're playing punk, they're bringing in a lot of sounds. And again, there's, while the, it's still a corporate chain, the kind of corporate owners are like, no, no, you need to play top 40. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this kind of really fantastic memo from Uncle Sa- like from Uncle oh. Sam's corporate. Yeah. The mix of disco, rock, oldies, etc. will be dependent on present day popularity i.e. top 40. <laughs> the present mix tends toward 40% rock, 40% disco, and 20% monster oldies. <laughs> they had to send in tapes. Yeah, so a couple of, the, like one of the DJs, um, DJ Kevin Cole actually filmed, he taped fake sets to send in and then he just played when he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So I'm trying to think, there's a, they'll bet the... Yeah, they played what they wanted. Yeah, so... More time should be spent purchasing the top 100 material off all the charts as opposed to listening and programming record pool product. <laughs> Friday afternoon, Roy and myself will be going to a few record stores to purchase product for immediate use. For immediate wow. use. <laughs> so the, the best part of this is the very, very end. You know, just saying, like, you know, DJs, their pr- job is also to kind of push drink specials and other things. Yeah. You know, like, cleanliness of DJ stands needs vast improvement. But then there's this thing that just says energy, diversity, commercialism, and entertainment. <laughs> That's all it says. In all caps. <laughs> in all caps. We may, we, may, we may need to sit down and renegotiate psychological contracts. What does that mean? As you go further into the exhibits, you kind of take a walk through all of the different eras that First Avenue had from the dance nights into the punk scene and then the grunge era and moving forward into the nowadays where it's kind of a mixture of everything. We also focus a lot on performers in here. Yeah. And this is actually a really hard section of the exhibit to do because it's like, how do you how do you choose which bands you put in, what bands right. don't go in? Right. Um, so we know that we couldn't do a comprehensive yeah. history yeah. of First yeah. Avenue. So we focus on a couple of key moments and key times and kind of pick artists that help exemplify those time periods. So we do 80s punk and we focus on Husker Du. We do 90s grunge and focus on Soul Asylum. We have Prince as his own section. Um, we do hip hop from the late 90s onward and we focus on Doomtree and then we actually just talk about current artists there's not one sound that defines First Avenue today right so we're just like here's a bunch of people whose careers are being built on the place now yeah so each of these kind of has you know there's like a there's these islands and each side has one where it's just kind of like here's kind of the context here's a bunch of bands that are playing both local and national the focus in here is on Minnesota bands because like that's kind of like those are the bands that are most affected by yeah. the presence of First Avenue. So whether they're people that are really obscure or they're the pla- or they're the replacements and the old tokies that they stole. 
<laughs> okay, seriously though, how do you find this stuff? Who has this stuff? Well, this is, it's a lot of the stuff you'll see in here, not necessarily this stuff. Yeah. Comes from our collections. We actually have pretty... From your stuff. Yeah, our, okay. our museum collections. Oh. We have a lot of Minnesota music-related objects. Cool. Okay. But we also, like, you know, it took three years to make this exhibit. And we, spent, we, we talked to a lot of people. We kind of, like, mm -hmm. interviewed people. And people One of the like, coolest pieces from the exhibit for me came via the purple one who... Uh, like to hang out in the club and test out his music from time to time. Prince liked to come in and have the DJs test out music on oh, the First cool. Avenue uh, on the First Avenue dance floor, so he could hear what it sounded like nice. and see how people were reacting. So he would just kind of come in unexpectedly and just mm -hmm. be like, hey, "Can you play this?" Yeah. And so, and they usually gave people gave DJs the um, the desk pressings. Wow. So this is Erotic City that he gave to Paul Spangrid, which is wow. one of the early DJs. Wow. <laughs> Damn, take a picture of that. I know it's kind of weird because it's, it's not that visually striking, but it's but, you know, definitely it's like, one of the coolest things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. the parts of the exhibit that highlights musicians and the people that were on the stage at First Avenue, there is professional shot footage from the very first show at First Avenue, professionally shot by Joe Cocker and his documentary crew. Of the first show. At the, and becomes a depot is really amazing. Wow. So, yeah, so you can definitely see it's the same venue. But look at all the lights. They haven't, yeah. they haven't bricked up the windows yet. <laughs> There's the mezzanine. Yeah. Oh, cool. Also, an eight-minute feature film that highlights a lot of local musicians and uh, what First Avenue means to oh, them. This is the biggest media piece cool. in there, and we should probably just kind of go in and like see the whole thing. Yeah, let's just right. do it. So this is yeah, it's This is kind of the emotional center of the exhibit. Uh, playing the main room is the video screen that comes up that acts as a curtain. <laughs> There's a drama in that that there isn't in a lot of club experiences. When that curtain goes up and you see all the faces staring at you, it's a pretty big deal, especially the first time. It's not a gig, it's an event when you play first ever. what you did, that's where you met people, that was your social scene, that was your social media. People come down to shows on a weekly basis and some three, four times a week are down there. You really can watch a career grow in a single building, you know? We all have memories of like the first time that we played in the entrance. did not exist and Purple Rain did not exist, I would not know what Minneapolis was. He was the sole reason why I came to Minneapolis. Like he is like the sole reason why I am who I am today. And a good part of the exhibit is about the people that were on the stage at First Avenue throughout the years and how much of a difference First Avenue has made with them and how much they have uh, changed First Avenue and made it special. But also the, some of the people that made it special are the people behind the scenes that kept it going on a day-to-day. -day. And uh, the First Avenue exhibit at the Minnesota Historical Society does a good job 
of highlighting those people as well and giving you a look at some of the things at First Avenue that you definitely don't get to see when you're there for a show. About this is that it goes, there's a lot of work that goes into putting on a show at First Avenue. Oh, yeah. That what's yeah. being played there and other things is just as attendant on like who's working there and the staff as anything else. So, so this section here is like you know basically about staff and their oh, cool. stories and okay. their experiences. So, this is a book basically the book, the manager's booking office. Oh, cool. So, and it's dedicated <laughs> to two very long term. Um, Employees, Steve McClellan, okay. who worked there from the mid '70s to the early 2000s. Okay. He was the general manager, Booker. He basically, like, although if you at, tell you ask him, he say he won't. He'll say he didn't do it, but he basically created First Avenue okay. into what it is now. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of an iconic Steve pose in his office. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other really cool things we have in here is this is his booking oh, calendar nice. from 1981 that you can, you know, Jeez. we found this when we were going through stuff, stuff with him. And I mean, this is just his actual calendar that he's keeping track of who's playing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So lots of you can see there's a lot of cancellation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume that it's just like him like going to like oh this person wants to be here these yeah. dates. Uh huh. Or like, these people canceled. Or it's just funny that he does it all in pen. Also, you know, like <laughs> mm, there are pencils. But like it's an interesting choice. <laughs> but you know whatever works for you. It's yeah. awesome. Wow. REM Ramones. Wow. Jesus. His kind of other book, the other booker, who's woman named Chrissy Dunlap, and okay. she was actually a very, very kind of early champion of bands like The Replacements and Soul Asylum. They, they, they basically got shows there because of her. Okay. But she made the calendars. Oh wow! And all of the a lot of the early flyers. <laughs> oh cool! So this is one of her calendar layouts. All of her calendar layouts. Nice. So, so if you're old enough to remember having to like put things together oh, with rubber oh, cement. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and if you open the drawer beneath you, you can kind of see. Oh, oh. cool. <laughs> that's rad. Oh, it's like, I'm like, uh -huh. <laughs> that's, that's going to get all scratched From up. From sure. taking a walk through the manager's office to seeing an old keyboard that was modified to be the, the control for the light show during the performances, all that stuff is available in the kind of the behind the scenes look at what First Avenue is. It doesn't look like you should touch it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, basically, like people, like whoever's doing a light show would play this, uh -huh. and then <laughs> it would just. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like we have this. This was in our collections, and I don't know much. We couldn't dig up a lot on this. Yeah, that's so, wild. Though. But we're just like, Very... it's just cool looking. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, Giving people behind the scenes glimpse of what's going on. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of spaces you're not going to see there. We decided we wanted to do a back a behind the stage tour. Oh, so, nice. So we actually... Oh, so you just yeah. choose what you want to see. Is there yeah. some In the <laughs> mid-70s, there was a sound treatment that was applied to all of the ceiling in here. And it started out kind of fuzzy anyway. It was sprayed on. Our whole maintenance protocol for it was, don't touch it. It was kind of bad. <laughs> so, don't touch it. Theory of the dead man's play. It's not a so much of it, it's full. And there's a dude standing right here, and a piece of the ceiling falls down and hits him on the shoulder. Jeez. And he thinks dude behind him is hit him. So he turns around and pushes him <laughs> violently into the bar. And we're kind of breaking up. 
lighting guys up here says, the ceiling is falling. We'll evacuate the club. I mean, we gotta do it. Now, this could have been tragic. If we would have just let go, boom. We would have been national tragic news. Yeah, no kidding. It happened kind of in slow motion. The bottom line of all that is that we had to take down all the air handling system, all the lights, all the sound system, and get rid of the rest of it. It's just ever-evolving sort of piece of artwork on there, a uh, common prize for uh, audience members to get them. I try to collect them as well. Back when I was uh, working as a stagehand, um, I actually installed a mailbox over here. And I have some of the other stagehands and comrades, stage manager. When they find them, they throw them in there for me and I keep in collection. And it's pretty cool. So I'll show you like the place that we wish that we could have recreated more, okay. yeah. but we, but it, it, yeah. It's never worked out, but the green room this from the 7th Street entry. Yeah, it sure has. There's no doubt about that. There's a band that used to play here, the Midnight Eagles, and they're kind of famous for having basically everybody in the audience down here for an after party. Wow. So I think I've seen this room with probably 100 people. <laughs> It's kind of interesting that it actually predates First Avenue because uh, it was still Sam's when the entry opened uh, back in 1981. When you talk about the Minneapolis music scene, this room is more important than the main room. All of the bands that make up the Minneapolis music scene play many, many times on this stage. This room is super busy. Last year, we did 360 nights in it's basically been on that pace since it opened. This has been a very valuable room for bands. Uh, we kind of joke for bands on the way up and on the way down. <laughs> oh, nice. That was the walkthrough that Emily Reese and I took of the new First Avenue exhibit at the Minnesota History Center. It is Stories of Minnesota's Main Room, and it just started last Saturday, May 4th, and you can check it out for the next year. It's running for a whole year May 3rd, 2020 is the last date. You can check it out. Extra special thanks to Aaron Cole, the exhibit developer at the Minnesota History Center, for giving us a nice tour and really showing us all of the the details of the exhibit that you might not get if you're just walking through it by yourself. So I highly recommend checking it out and you know take your time with it because there's a lot to see. If you want to find out more info about the exhibit and how to go and where it is exactly, you can go to mnhs.org, and they should have a link on their main page. Otherwise, just search for First Avenue. And for listener-driven Jazz 88, I'm Justice Sanchez.